Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If the lady's naughty but proper, if the lady's chicer than chic, if her escorts must wear a topper, and each man's the man of the week, if she rides around in a brand new foreign car, the chances are the lady's a star. Welcome to the 100th episode of Broadway Nation the podcast that tells the remarkable story of how immigrants, Jews, queers, African-Americans, and other outcasts invented the Broadway musical and how they changed America in the process. I'm David Armstrong, and I call this episode, Who's the Greatest Star? If her smallest party is really extensive With tons of expensive caviar If the lady's someone with the same credential someone with the same essential someone who is worshipped from afar she's a genuine positive totally marvelous perfectly wonderful To celebrate this 100th episode, I've invited my frequent co-host and good friend Albert Evans to join me to discuss, debate, and by the end of the episode, determine definitively who is the greatest Broadway musical star of all time. As you will hear, we had a lot of fun with this one, and I have no doubt that it will spark a lot of comments, conversation, and complaints, and we look forward to hearing from you. And for those of you who are wondering what happened to the third part of my conversation with Barry Kester regarding his book Round in Circles, never fear, Barry and I will be back next week with the final episode in that series. This episode is made possible in part through the generous support of Patron Club members Ruth Oberg, Neil Hoyt, and Judy Hucka. If you would like to help support the work of Broadway Nation, I'll have information at the end of the podcast about how you too can become a patron. Here we go. So welcome, Albert Evans. It is my great pleasure to have you back on Broadway Nation, where you belong, for the 100th episode. Oh, my God. I should have dressed up. We're not doing video, right? No video, so we can't see your tuxedo or your top hat. Well, good. I'll just wear my firm clothes. <laughs> Can you believe it's been 100 episodes? 
No, I can't. It's really more than 100. I've only numbered the new episodes. I haven't given numbers to any Encore episodes. So that's 100 brand new episodes. Wow. And it has been my great pleasure to have you on as my partner on so many of them, because there are very few people who know the history of the Broadway musical as well as you do. Well, and there are also very few people who know each other as well as we do. (laughs) We've been friends for over 30 years, starting in New York City, and we're certainly very comfortable talking to each other, which is great. Today, I have a very easy task for us. Okay, what's that, David? (laughs) I thought that in celebration of the 100th episode, you and I would determine once and for all who was the greatest Broadway star of all time. That doesn't seem so easy to me, but lead on. Maybe not so easy, but I'm sure our answer will be definitive and no one will have any quibbles or objections. Just once and for all, this is it. (laughs) We're going to determine it today. Yeah. However, I did make some notes, and I thought if we're going to determine this successfully, if we're going to decide who was the greatest Broadway star of all time, what qualifications are we going to use for this? Who even goes into the nomination pool? Let's talk about that first. Okay. Well, I think that with a few exceptions, there have been some people who did one Broadway show and you think of them as Broadway stars. But I think in general, they have to have a body of work. I agree. I think they have to have a substantial career, a significant and substantial career on Broadway. Both of those things. Significant could be somebody like Rex Harrison, who is certainly a significant Broadway star in the history of Broadway. And if you count all the plays he did, he's a giant Broadway star. But we're talking about musical theater here. I think we're talking about the greatest Broadway musical star of all time. Maybe we should make that clear. So I think Rex Harrison is out. Yeah, I think he's out, although he did certainly have an enormous influence on how musicals were written after his success in My Fair Lady, that style of sort of speak singing. Luckily, he had a very musical voice. It was one of those British voices that goes, oh, way up high, and then really down low. So in a sense, he was playing his voice the whole time. It's just he wasn't often singing notes. And I think I've heard you mention that if you listen to the two albums, the Broadway cast album and then the London cast album, he sings a lot more by the time he's recording the London cast album. Yeah, I think he must have accepted it as a personal challenge or something because there was no reason to do that to satisfy the public. We can talk more Mm -hmm. about who's in and who's out in a moment, but I think we're agreed on that, that they have to have both a significant and a substantial career on Broadway. Is there a minimum number of shows that they need to have starred in to be on our list? Well, three. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I was sort of thinking the same thing. If they starred in three Broadway shows. Yeah, yeah, we can get Julie Andrews, although actually she did four, The Boyfriend, My Fair Lady, Camelot, and then Victor Victoria. And again, how do we parse this? Yul Brenner might seem like he falls in that Rex Harrison category, but he actually, if you count the two revivals of The King and I, he did four musicals on Broadway. He was a big enough star that he got to come mm-hmm. back twice in The King and I, but the only two new shows he did were The King and I, and then Home Sweet Homer. We mustn't forget that. (laughs) Everyone else has. Why shouldn't we? (laughs) 
So three, which mm -hmm. opens the door to a lot of people, but unfortunately mm -hmm. cuts out some people, even some of our favorites like Rosalind Russell, yeah. who I think is clearly a significant Broadway star, but doesn't fit both those categories. Well, I think another criterion is do they sell tickets? Absolutely. In that respect, because Rosalind Russell was so popular, she sold tickets to Wonderful Town. So she yeah. was the star of that show in that sense, not just to, was she playing the lead, but she was bringing in the money. I agree with that. And I think that that is one of the qualifications to be in our nominating pool. Yeah. Significant, substantial, and they have to be an above the title star who sells mm -hmm. tickets, who the audience shows up for to see almost no matter what the show is. And that will eliminate a lot of people. A lot of great, incredibly talented people probably don't rise to that level of stardom. Mm -hmm. So Roz fits two of the three, but I think because she doesn't have the substantial career, she is not going to end up on our list. Yeah. All right. So I think those are the three qualifications. If you don't have all three of those things, the nominators will not nominate you. Right. Namely, Albert and I will not nominate you to be considered for this honor. Okay, so now we move on to once a star has qualified, what are the criteria we're going to use for determining who was the greatest or who is the greatest? Can someone alive be eligible for this award? They can be eligible. I don't know if they'll reach the top position. I mean, Audra McDonald, an incredible star, has won, what, six Tony Awards? I mean, she yeah. definitely is someone at the top of her profession and someone that people come to see. Which brings up a point. We're talking about the greatest Broadway musical star of all time, how long of a career do you have to have to be in that? When we talked before about a substantial career, I think that that indicates that it's fairly long. And certainly anything over 20 years, I think, would probably qualify. Yeah, I definitely agree. Another problem is that some of the greatest stars of Broadway First of all, we never saw them because, you know, they were from the 20s and 30s. They didn't leave a record, really, of the parts that made them stars. But I think when you're like David and like me, you have constructed in your mind exactly like what it would have been like to see, say, Eddie Cantor on stage. Because we've listened to their records, we've seen them in movies, we know their persona. And their personas tended to be fairly fixed. You didn't get points for playing a really wide range of different characters. You were a star because you were a star, not you were someone who was playing star roles. So I just want to stir that in as we go along, because I think a lot of my very favorite stars were people I never actually saw on stage. Well, and that's one of our problems that we'll have today is we'll be talking about, as you said, a lot of people, not only from the past, but even more recent past that we never mm -hmm. saw because we're not old enough to have seen them. We're not old enough. And some of my friends call me Mr. Last Nighter. I tend to not show up at the beginning when the stars are in the show, but then I come for like the last two or three performances with the replacements. And sometimes they were absolutely great, but it wasn't their show. Now that we had determined the minimum qualifications that candidates needed to have, Albert and I then spent about 20 minutes determining the criteria that we would use to narrow those qualifying candidates down. In the interest of time, I've moved that conversation into our patron club stream, where it is definitely worth checking out. To summarize, we decided that the following criteria would guide us in determining which stars are the greatest. One, how many Broadway musicals they had starred in. Two, how many of those musicals had been created specifically for them. 
Three, how talented and versatile they were. Were they triple threats? Could they do it all? Four, how legendary and renowned and talked about they are. Five, and this one's to a lesser extent, how many Tony Awards they had won. And finally, the it factor, how captivating and charismatic they were, how much star quality did they possess. With those guidelines established, it was time to get down to business, and you may want to get out a pen and paper and play along. All right, let's start narrowing this down. Let's first talk about people who are alive. Okay. And whether they are going to get bumped into our final selection pool. And here's where we're going to get angry responses. <laughs> I'm sure we are. Because this is when you finally say, well, this is what I like. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying that you have to like it. You don't have to like this person, but I sort of worship them. <laughs> well, but first we're going to use our criteria to eliminate yeah, okay. people. So let's start with Leia Salonga, who's been in six musicals, mm-hmm. which is a substantial amount. And she's won one Tony Award. couple questions here. Does she qualify in our three categories? Does she have a significant and substantial career? I would say yes. Yes. Is she a box office star? I don't think so. Yeah, I would say maybe at the most. Yeah, I don't know. I side with you there. I think that she's probably mm-hmm. not on that category of people are drawn to see whatever yeah. Leia Salonga is doing. She always delivers. She always delivers a really good performance. She sings like a dream. Yeah, she's um, great. And maybe she will achieve that. Yeah. That's going to be the issue with a lot of 21st century stars or late 20th century stars. Their career just isn't long enough yet for us to put them in this category. I'm glad you didn't say that. Their career isn't so long, I guess. <laughs> Cut that out. We're not cutting that out. There's no way you're getting away without having to hear yourself say oh. that again. Oh, great. So let's move up to Sutton Foster. These are in no particular order. But again, these are 20th, 21st century stars. Sutton Foster has starred in eight musicals on Broadway. And she's won two Tony Awards. She what won were they for? For Thoroughly Modern Millie and Millie. for Anything Goes, I believe. Oh, of course, yeah. She's a tough one for me because I'm just so out of her generation. I think she's a very popular star with a younger cohort than I'm in. To me, she always just seems like the best gosh darn student in the world. But she must be like pushing 50 by this point. (laughs) Yeah, I think she's certainly in her 40s. Yeah, I mean, but she's terrific. She certainly gives everything her all. But I never sense, I never understand who she is. I don't get her persona. I don't get who she is other than a really, really good performer. And she's a triple threat. She can do it all. She yeah. can do everything. Oh, she's amazing. I'm going to say that it's too early for Sutton Foster to be called the greatest Broadway musical star of all time. Yeah, but I I do think she sells tickets. I think she's a box office presence. That's interesting, because I would think that Leia Salonga may be just as much of a box office presence as Sutton Foster's. Maybe. And certainly all of these people have fans who will show up for them. There's no two ways about that. Absolutely. And they deserve them. It's just when we talk about a box office star, we're talking about selling a massive amount of tickets just based on who you are. Yeah, and getting publicity and go, oh, Sutton Foster, Sutton Foster. Yeah. I was just saying you do hear her name mentioned a lot if you frequent the same obscure chat rooms that I do. (laughs) She's very, very popular. 
Absolutely. So in that same category would be Idina Menzel and mm-hmm. Kristen Chenoweth, who are tied together, obviously, because of Wicked. Mm-hmm. Kristen has been in six musicals on Broadway and one play and won a Tony Award. Idina Menzel has been in four musicals, one of which was written for her, and that was If Then, which yeah. she starred in on Broadway. But again, and to cut to the chase, because they're both incredibly talented, they both have incredible range and are able to sing and act and move really well. I think it's, again, too early. The jury is out whether they can be called the greatest Broadway star of all time and probably needs to wait 20 years before they're in that category. And I'm sure some people will disagree with us because we're going to side with longevity to a certain extent, but I think you have to. How do you call somebody the greatest anything of all time if their career is so present and so now and hasn't stood up to the test of time, I guess? Well, I think... Kristen actually saw one of the first things she did. She was in Animal Crackers at Paper Mill Playhouse, which is where I think she got her equity card, but don't quote me on that. And I was working at Paper Mill at the time. And it was startling. She just came out with what she does fully formed. I mean, she has refined her talents somewhat, but she was Kristen Chenoweth on that stage, and she definitely got the buzz. I think it would be interesting to see her go beyond that persona and do something that really surprised us, because I think she's not surprising us anymore. And in a way, that goes back to the vaudeville stars who were in those early musicals. They didn't want to surprise you. They wanted, here I am, enjoy me. So maybe I'm contradicting myself. I don't think you are, because I think it's one of the challenges and the conundrums of being a star is you become a star because people love what you do so much. Right. And then how do you continue to do what you do that people love Mm -hmm. and not have it be just the same thing over and over again? And I think every star faces that the longer their career is, especially as they age, they face that because they're no longer who they were when they first became a star. I don't know. I wish her all the best. I don't need to wish her the best because (laughs) she's achieved so much. I hope that someday she can really surprise us with an acting performance or even something that incorporates her persona, but as an older woman, like something that Tennessee Williams might write, you know, that you suddenly go, oh my God, I never realized that could take on these shades. I also think it's also hard when you've worked with people or know them when they're starting out. And I'll admit, I went to college with Faith Prince. And as you just said with Kristen Chenoweth, the first day Faith Prince walked into CCM, she was Faith Prince. Mm -hmm. She was something special. She learned a lot, benefited a lot from that program, but it was clear she was special from day one. So it never surprised me that she has become a Tony Award winning star. But because I went to college with her, I'm not sure I'm ready to put her in the category of the greatest Broadway stars of all time. Yeah. Well, again, there's (laughs) something in her future that is going to knock us over. Right. Because she's so good at what she's doing. But again, I want to be surprised by her one more time. And I think that may be a great point is that all of these people are not getting to that category for us because we still feel like there's something out there. Their gypsy is still out there. Their thing that locks them into this category or into this stratosphere that locks them, sends them into the firmament. What does she say in Singing in the Rain? Like a dazzling star in the cinema firmament. (laughs) That's not the exact words. Yeah. We have to look that up. A shimmering, glowing star in the cinema firmament. It says so. Right there. (laughs) 
Vanessa Williams. Vanessa Williams is one of my favorite performers. I think she's dazzling and sensational. Mm -hmm. And she starred in four musicals, won the Tony Award. She's also been in two plays. So I think that sort of points to that versatility that we see. Yeah. She is really able to do it all on top of film and television and everything. And personally, I would put her at the top of this list that we're talking about, but still in this list of it's too early to crown her with this. Yeah, I agree. She's always really, really good and skilled at what she does, but there's almost like a, like she's almost too classy for me. It seems like she's just slightly removed from whatever she's in. And for me as an audience member, I always feel like what a privilege it is to see Vanessa Williams. I love that part of her. I see that as even more of a positive. Mm-hmm. We're moving up this list. Audra McDonald, I sort of feel, even though she's in a similar age range as some of these other people that we've been talking about, I will bump her into the pool of possibilities. Yeah, I certainly would too. Six musicals on Broadway, seven mm -hmm. plays on top of those six musicals, six Tony Awards. She's jumped ahead, I think. Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about Liza, five musicals, two Tonys. Certainly nobody is more Broadway than Liza in a certain extent, sort of the epitome of Broadway, both the old fashioned feel of it and the more modern feel of it. She really was a crossover figure. So I think I will bump her into that category. I feel a little bit like she mostly abandoned Broadway for Hollywood and then just abandoned everything in mm -hmm. recent years for health reasons and things like that. So I'm not sure that she was active enough for enough of the time to really get to the final list. Yeah, I agree. I think she certainly is a star, but I think she's a star who has never been in her final defining acting, singing, dancing moment. And probably won't be at this point. Yeah, probably won't be because she's, you know, she's having mobility issues. Yeah. But she seems to be someone who could really play. When I say Sunset Boulevard, I don't mean the musical. I mean, she could be Norma Desmond in the movie of Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Because everything about what she was when she was young is still there. And it could really be, it could break our hearts if we got her final valedictory moment. I agree with that. Patti LuPone obviously ticks off all the boxes. Eight musicals on Broadway. Yeah. Six plays on top of that. So one of those shows, War Paint, was written for her with her in mind, I believe. Somebody might correct me on that. And three Tony Awards. And I think is a box office star. Oh, she absolutely is. She sells tickets, even though she keeps leaving and saying, I'm never coming back. So I don't know that we need to talk more about Patty at this moment. I think we're bumping her into this category of she's in the running. Bernadette Peters. Bernadette Peters was the first person I saw in a New York show, which was Dames at Sea at the Bowery Lane Theater. And she's my exact same age, by the way. And I was a student in college and I went and saw her in Dames at Sea. And I honestly thought I was going to die laughing. And partly because she was heartbreaking at the same time as being enormously funny. So I cannot be really objective about her, but I have seen her in certain things I didn't like her in, but I've always thought of her as a star. And she truly is her own persona. She has her own unique skill set. And when she's good, she is very, very good. And certainly she ticks off all the boxes. 13 yeah. musicals oh, yeah. she started mm -hmm. on Broadway, plus Dames at Sea off Broadway, and mm -hmm. two Tony Awards. And like you, the very first show I ever saw on Broadway was Mac and Mabel, which was a very complicated experience. 
because number one, you had Bernadette Peters and Robert Preston giving two of the greatest performances I've ever seen. I can still feel what it was like when they turned this little train unit around. They had a scene with the two of them in the train unit. They turned it around. So you're seeing the exterior of the train unit. And she raises the window shade and she sat there leaning on the windowsill and sang that reprise of I Won't Send Roses. So who needs roses or stuff like that? So who wants chocolates? They'd make me fat And I can get along just fine Without a gushing valentine I'll get by, kid, with just the guy, kid. And if he calls me and it's collect, so Walter I don't And it is forever emblazoned in my memory, not just my memory, but my body. I remember what it felt like. So who needs roses that didn't come from And it's, you know, not even two minutes of song, but it was sensational. And like you, I've seen her in, I think, everything she's done for the most part. And I've seen her be sensational. And I've also seen her be not healthy enough to be on the stage when she was doing it, not in good voice at times. She walked through song and dance with a teacup, (laughs) sipping tea the whole time. And of course, she was the only singer in the show. But I think, again, it's part of that obligation of she was a star and she felt she had to be there. And we were coming to see Bernadette Peters. And certainly in terms of longevity, what year was Dames at Sea? 68 or 69. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Late 60s. But right there with her is Cheetah Rivera. Yeah. 13 musicals she starred in on Broadway, Mm -hmm. three of them written for her, two Tony Awards. I just think that Cheetah is, you know, I've talked about performers who go on stage and you don't know who they are. She is the opposite. You get a sense of there's a living, breathing person inside this star. I mean, it just seems like she is present and ready to work. I had the privilege of being, when I first moved to New York, I was an observer on the rehearsal process of Bring Back Birdie which was fascinating because you got to see some of the greatest professionals in the world completely fail at creating a musical. 
that seemed like a pretty good idea, but just one thing after another. But what I will never forget, and it was a privilege just to be in that room and see Cheetah every day, and even Donald O'Connor, who didn't turn out to be so great in the performances, but there were moments in that rehearsal where he was just sensational and amazing. You felt like you were back at MGM with him. But the thing that I'll never forget is that show just sat there. It was almost impossible to get any momentum and any effect out of that show. But Cheetah came out every night and stopped the show three times with not the best material, yeah. just sort of on sheer willpower. Thinks I'm gonna cry, well I'm not. Thinks I'm gonna die, well I'm not. Thinks I'm gonna mope around until I rot. Well I'm not, not a chill, well I'm not. Thinks that I feel small, but I don't Thinks I'm gonna crawl, well I won't Thinks that I think he's the only life I've got Well I don't, and I won't she came out on that stage and I was backstage one night and I sort of saw her like I've made up what she did, but I felt like she stood in the wing and went, okay, got to go out there and stop the show. Someone's got to do it. And she walked out on that stage and literally just blew it away. And you thought it was for those three numbers, you thought it was the greatest show you'd ever seen. Got a few new tricks left. Got a few high kicks left. Gonna turn my thermos. That's a star. That to me is a star. They just can, in that case, elevate the material through their sheer talent and sheer willpower and charisma to that level. So she's absolutely, for me, getting bumped up to this list. Let's talk about the men. It'll be okay. quicker, but it's one of the interesting things about Broadway is unlike the movies, it's the women that dominate the field. So let's start with Lin-Manuel Miranda. Obviously incredibly talented, mm -hmm. but he's not reaching our criteria. He's only been in two musicals. So as a Broadway star... He's such a good writer, and he's a very good performer, but I think actually his material shines more with other people doing it. As good a performer as he is, that's probably the lesser of his yeah. talents. So we're moving him to the side for when we come back and do this again 20 years from now. He has plenty of career left in it. So Hugh Jackman, same thing, only two shows, also two yeah. plays and has won a Tony Award. But as our establishing criteria is three musicals and hopefully we'll see that and more from him. Mm -hmm. So now moving into people who definitely qualify. Matthew Broderick mm -hmm. has starred in three musicals, also nine plays, won two Tony Awards. I think of Matthew Broderick as fantastic. But for some reason, and this could be just my personal taste, as a musical star, he's not in the running, even though he was, of course, amazing in The Producers. And he was amazing in those Neil Simon plays when he first became mm -hmm. a star. Just outstanding. I think of him as a reactor. He's best at reacting to what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. He's great at it. He's hysterical at it. Which is why he was so great with Nathan Lane. Yeah, I never feel like he's initiating the beat. And I think the star is the person who initiates the beat, generally. I think that's right. Clearly, he qualifies in all the categories. He mm -hmm. is a money star. Yeah. I mean, we just saw that with that revival of Plaza Suite, which just was right. sold out. Mm-hmm. 
even spite of terrible yeah. reviews. I mean, that shows you what star power is, is you mm -hmm. can get the worst reviews in the world and people will still show up and sell it out for the run. Yeah. Now he had his wife there to help him with that, but the two of them together yeah. were a sensation. Mm -hmm. Ben Vereen, six musicals, one play, one Tony Award. Ben Vereen always seems like, and this is not a bad thing, he seems like a vaudevillian. He comes out, he shows off his skills, and he knocks them dead, and then he leaves the stage. And the show either continues or it doesn't. Uh, that's just my impression. I haven't seen everything that he's done, though. I think that's right. I think that may be part of a system that didn't give him the parts he might have mm -hmm. had otherwise. We didn't get to see Ben Vereen play the music man. Right. And maybe he would have been sensational in that part or some other part like that. Mandy Patinkin, five musicals, one Tony Award, and several plays as well. He is just the greatest loose cannon I think we've ever had. I mean, I think he can be so incredibly entertaining. And then he can also just go away off the charts and you go, stop it. Stop what you're doing. But, I mean, he, I think, is a person who knows what he loves. He knows what he loves about himself. He likes to take risks. I really admire him. And sometimes he's absolutely great, great, great. His performance in Sunday in the Park with George was yeah. one of the great performances of all time. Mm -hmm. And Bernadette as well. The two of them together were Yeah, that was, that was the show of stars. So I think he's in the running. We didn't sort of decide whether Ben Vereen was in that running. He's on the cusp, he's I guess. He's on the edge, I think. Yeah, somebody who I should have mentioned earlier was Joel Gray. Oh, yeah. Who starred in eight musicals and has won one Tony Award. Mm -hmm. I would say with Joel Gray, as great as he is, as talented as he is, and he's been in three significant shows, Cabaret, George M., and then Wicked in the original cast mm -hmm. of all those. And then he had other shows where he was the star, but the shows didn't run. Good Time Charlie didn't run. Grand Tour yeah, yeah. Both of which could have sent him into the stratosphere because he was at the center of those shows, but he didn't have that luck. He's a quirky person. Let me <laughs> put it that way. And he's delightful when he comes out and does his quirky thing. But I don't know if I want to follow him unless someone really finds the right role for him. I don't know if he'll ever be the center of a story. Well, and that's interesting because I forgot the other show he's very noted for was the revival of Chicago. But he played a supporting part in all yeah. of his most memorable shows, except for George. Yeah. But he's like one of those great Warner Brothers supporting character actors. Yeah. Okay, here's the biggie. Nathan Lane, six musicals, 14 plays, four Tony Awards. <laughs> I would say the biggest male star of the modern era. He certainly qualifies, and he yeah. certainly has many of the criteria that we've talked about. Incredibly versatile, can play all different kinds of things. He's one of those stars who's able to take his persona and move it into a lot of different ways. So he could do everything from the Lisbon Traviata to the producers, or mm -hmm. Funny Thing Happened on the way to the forum. Tremendous range and talent and versatility. I think he has to move yeah, into that category. Yeah. But in just a minute, he's going to be confronted by a bunch of stars who came before him. Yeah. And that will be challenging for everybody that we just talked about. And the other person on this list is Brian Stokes Mitchell. Ten Broadway musicals and one play, one Tony Award. Again, clearly at the top of the current male stars of Broadway. My only question, is he a money star? I think Nathan Lane is a money star. Is yeah. Brian Stokes Mitchell? And how do you define a money star? How many right. weeks of tickets need to be mm -hmm. sold just on that person's 
name. And I'm sure the producers must have some kind of calculation for this. It's all guesswork. But if Bernadette Peters is going to be the star of your show, they figure she's bringing these number of people to the table just because it's her on top of whatever the show is. And I'm not certain. Same thing with Donna Murphy. I sort of feel like Donna Murphy and Brian Stokes Mitchell are in this category of they are Broadway stars, but not money stars to the level that will put them into the greatest stars of all time. I think that's fair, yeah. Stick around, things are gonna happen. Fireworks, stick around and see. Watch me in the arena eat Cracker Jack while I'm Smacking some hack for a fee Stick around, you can hold the basket While I shake that money tree And of course, in certain cases A dark horse may win some races Stick around, lady, and see I want to make sure we give some attention to a list of people who do not qualify for this, but I think it's because of, unfortunately, the way the world worked at the time and still works to a great extent. I think they would be on this list if they were given more opportunity. And that's people like Lena Horne and Pearl Bailey and Sammy Davis Jr. And going back, Bill Robinson and Burt Williams, they had more opportunity than the later stars did. Bill Robinson was in five music on Broadway. Burt Williams was in 16 musicals on Broadway. But there in that category, it's hard for us to assess them, even though we've seen Bill Robinson quite a bit in the movies. I think it's still hard to definitively say he's the greatest Broadway star of all time, but I certainly yeah. would put him in the running for it. But with the others like Lena Horne and Pearl Bailey and Sammy Davis Jr., who only got to do a few shows, there's no doubt that they're of equal talent and equal star power to many of the other people we're talking about. Absolutely. So I think, unfortunately, they're being discriminated against once again because they were not provided with the opportunity to jump into this category. But, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. is somebody, all three of them actually, three people I would put among the greatest entertainment stars of all time. Oh, I definitely agree. And we're just lucky that we have as much of them as we do have. And how could I forget Ethel Waters? Oh my God, yeah. And she actually had a significant Broadway appearance. She was in eight musicals and two plays, but again, is in an early enough period, although she crosses over because I know when we were kids, she was on TV quite a bit and we got to see her do things, but it was 40 years after her heyday. Right. I saw her in a Billy Graham crusade in Columbus, Ohio, because because for a while she toured with the Billy Graham Crusade and she sang a couple of songs and she still sounded great. I assume she was doing it out of belief that she had something to tell us about spiritual matters, but she just sounded phenomenal. But in a way, I felt like the crowd was being like, oh, isn't she wonderful? You know, oh, there's, you know, someone we can really like. There was a kind of creepy feeling in the crowd. That's a story you've never told me. Really? I had no idea you'd seen Ethel Waters in person. Oh, yeah. It was like at the Veterans Memorial. Memorial, this gigantic auditorium Amazing. where the Kenley players did their shows. Okay, so let's get down to it. We're going to talk about the most legendary people. Let's go to that list now. Okay. Stick around, you can shine my trophies. Lead the cheers when they shout for me. There won't be nobody hotter. I want the whole enchilada. And if I come up winner, brotherhood, we 
week, take me to dinner. Stick around, lady, and see the boy who's gone to fight. See that boy start moving right. Stick around, lady, and we'll see. Stick around. There's more Broadway Nation coming up right after this quick break. Hi, this is David Armstrong, and even here in Seattle, warmer, sunnier days are on their way. So it's time to fuel up for them and meet your wellness goals with Factor's No Prep, No Mess Meals. Thanks to Factor's menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, or my favorite, Vegetarian, Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. So what are you waiting for? Kickstart that new healthy routine with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week so you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can crush those wellness goals with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make every day delicious from breakfast to dessert with restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon, with no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. With Factor, you enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle, choosing from six menu preferences that help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced meals. Here's what you do. Head to factormeals.com BN50 and use code BN50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code BN50 at factormeals.com BN50 as in Broadway Nation 50, and you'll get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Do it today. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Okay, so let's get down to it. We're going to talk about the most legendary people. Let's go to that list now. Okay. Al Jolson, I think Al Jolson, you had to be there to understand what his power was. And most people who talked about him said he was the world's greatest entertainer. Not only something he made up, but something everybody did say about him. Yeah. But I can't put him there because I haven't seen it. And what we have seen is often problematic (laughs) and hard to watch. Exactly. But he did sort of invent a new kind of singing. I don't think we can forget that, that he exploded from those Victrolas. Yeah. You know, it was just something it had no relationship to what you normally heard. Yeah. And certainly if the category's biggest, most successful stars of all time, he's Mm -hmm. at the top of that list. Yeah. He pioneered every medium. Yeah. He was right there at the cutting edge as everything was invented. But he's not a realist. Robert Preston is the only man left standing on our <laughs> list of greatest Broadway stars of all time in terms of the previous generations. Four musicals, 12 plays, two Tony Awards, clearly a great Broadway star. And even though he's still strongly remembered for The Music Man, Mm -hmm. we can't forget that he was also the star of I Do, I Do, which was a big hit. Yeah. 
and then several flop shows. But those two shows were significant hits. And Robert Preston just showed that he didn't have the greatest voice in the world, but I think he was a great singer in getting across the words and making it really compelling and delightful and engaging. I just can't think of a bad thing to say about him. Yeah. So I would give it to him. (laughs) (laughs) I think we have a few other people who will will be on your list too. But I'm just saying that he really doesn't have negatives. Like his voice is not a negative. He's very good sort of dancing. Yeah. And he's very good at playing two sides of a character at once. The sort of sinister side and this lovable side. Yeah. And I have to say, having seen him on stage in Mac and Mabel, it was Mm -hmm. even in a less than successful show, he just shined on that stage. He was amazing. Speaking of amazing, here's the final list. I'm going to list all these women one after another. Okay. Gertrude Lawrence, six musicals, six plays, several of them written for her. Barbara Cook, 12 musicals, two plays, one Tony Award. Elaine Stritch, eight musicals and five plays, no Tony Awards, surprisingly enough, but four nominations. Angela Lansbury, seven musicals and six plays, two of those shows written for her, five Tony Awards. Carol Channing, six musicals and one play, two shows written for her, and one Tony Award. Mary Martin, eight musicals and three plays, at least one of which was written for her, three Tony Awards. Gwen Verdon, six musicals, one play, four written for her, four Tony Awards. Ethel Merman, 15 musicals, at least nine of which were written for her, one Tony Award. Is there anybody there that you would eliminate from the running, not because they aren't sensational, but just because we have to start narrowing this down? Well, I think Gertrude Lawrence, she's wonderful in the few glimpses you can get at her from recordings and movies and stuff. But to me, she's sort of faded. Mm -hmm. She's a faded flower. And also, she clearly had it because she couldn't really sing. And yet she starred in musicals. Gershwin wrote shows for her and Rodgers and Hammerstein wrote shows. Oh, she must have been delightful. She's great on those old records with Noel Coward doing scenes from Private Lives. She's fantastic. Phenomenal. But you're right. She didn't have much of a range. In fact, by the time King and I came along, all of her songs were written within the range of an octave. Toward the end, I mean, granted, she was very sick, but she couldn't even do that. I know people who saw her at the end of King and I, and she was actually booed. Now, you don't judge people by the end, just like you don't judge people by their death. She was dying of cancer, so she had an excuse, but she was still going out on that stage. Mm Mm-hmm. There are letters in the Oscar Hammerstein Collected Letters book where they're trying to deal with this issue that the audience is not happy with her performance. And like I said, that's not fair to judge her by that performance because she could have been the greatest star of all time and still had that kind of end. Exactly. She just like, you know, stayed too long at the fair. I think she was great when she opened at King and I, but she rapidly declined. Right. Anyway, and we just kind of don't know. I don't think we have enough evidence to judge her. So Anybody else you wanted to knock out of just the Just really rock? quick run through their names. Barbara Cook, Elaine Stritch, Angela Lansbury, Carol Channing, Mary Martin, Gwen Verdon, Ethel Merman. I think we could take Elaine Stritch off, although she's one of my favorite entertainers in the world and one of my favorite actors and favorite singers. I love the way <laughs> she sings because she really is musical no matter how croaky she gets. She still sings the song. But I just think she's too unusual a type to count as like the greatest musical theater star, yeah. I think I can agree with that. And she had her most impact in a supporting role, sort of like Joel Gray to a certain extent. Although she played all these roles in stock and things like that. You'll see posters of her as Mame and things like that. But she's somebody you want to come out and knock one song out of the park. 
back. Yeah. As opposed to being it wakes the, everyone up. <laughs> exactly. And it, you know, stops the show. Yeah. I'll agree with that. I also would put Barbara Cook in that category, mostly because I think her career got derailed yeah. halfway through. And then she had a second career as an incredible cabaret performer, concert mm-hmm. performer. But I feel like that disjointed aspect to her career moves her out of the stratosphere yeah. that we're heading towards. I think best ingenue of all time. Yeah. Because she really, she put heart in it. She just wasn't being a sweet singer. It's like she put heartache and pain and joy and everything into her voice. And by all reports was a terrific actress yeah. in the scenes and really played mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Okay. Do we agree that everybody else on this list is in the running? Ethel Merman, Gwen Verdon, Mary Martin, Carol Channing, Angela Lansbury. I think Carol Channing is too much of a novelty act. I mean, I love her. No one can do what she did. And I love her on both the Gentleman for Blondes album and the Dolly album. No one else can play those roles as far as I'm concerned, at least on stage. But she just seems to be more like a, I don't know. I can't express it. Can you? She has that thing that happens to stars very often later in life as they become caricatures of themselves or they're perceived as caricatures of themselves. Mm -hmm. Again, how do you keep your audience happy? You do more of that same thing. And I've always been impressed that when you look at some of the other things she did, she replaced Rosalind Russell in Wonderful Town. Yeah. And so what was that like? Yeah. Were there flavors of Carol Channing that we didn't get to see? Well, I bet there were, yeah. When I first came to the Fifth Avenue Theater, we did this production of A Little Night Music. I thought about trying to see if we could get Carol Channing to come and play Madame Armfelt. We went down a different path for a lot of different reasons, but I still think it was a really interesting idea. Mm -hmm. But again, whether she would have wanted to or allowed herself to not be Carol Channing. Right. But I I think there was a time when she wasn't just Carol Channing, but we have to boil things down. So I'll go with you there. I would gladly put her in like the top four or five. So it's not like I don't think she's any good. Yeah. All right. Now I'm going to make this harder because I'm going to pull in the living candidates, the top seven candidates for greatest Broadway star of all time are, in no particular order, Patti LuPone, Bernadette Peters, Cheetah Rivera, Angela Lansbury, Gwen Verdon, Mary Martin, and Ethel Merman. What happened to Robert Preston and Nathan Lane? Well, Albert and I made an executive decision that none of the men, as great as they were, seemed to be on the same playing field with the women, and that the contest for greatest Broadway musical star of all time was a woman's game. So let's look at our criteria there. If we were talking about triple threats, the two standouts there would be, obviously, Cheetah and Gwen. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't put Audra McDonald here. I'm going to make an executive decision and say Audra McDonald is still too young and fresh to be included in this list. We'll revisit in five or 10 years. Yeah, nobody under 70 is on our list. They're over 70 or dead. Okay, that's always <laughs> a criteria. So I'm proposing you eliminate one and I'll eliminate one and then we'll tell each other who we eliminated. Tick, tock, tick, tock. Maybe we can get that music to play. Okay, I'm ready. Let me know when you are. I'm ready. All right, who are you moving off the list? Patty LaPone. I did the same thing. I'd rather see her act than hear her sing. I think she's a great actress. 
I don't like her as a singer because you can only understand like one out of every four words. And I think she's unpleasant. I think she's an unpleasant persona. When I saw her in Anything Goes, I always think of that character as the person who's throwing this big Cole Porter party for us. The life of the party. Yeah. And I just thought, who the hell would want to go to a party hosted by Patty LaPone? <laughs> And I know a lot of people would like that the most of anything in the world, but not me. <laughs> I don't agree with everything you said, but I do agree that Patty is the one to come off. And what I do agree with is my favorite thing that I ever saw her do was Masterclass, where she replaced Zoe Caldwell. For some reason, we were given free tickets. I went back a week after seeing Zoe Caldwell do it. Mm -hmm. I saw Patty Lupone do it and liked Patty Lupone more. I could imagine myself doing that because I do like her a lot in film and television and in plays. I don't want to go to her party. I will say she's gotten better with the lyrics, but having been the bartender at the theater where <laughs> Avita was playing back uh -huh. in the day, you could not understand a single word that she said. Mm -hmm. And then I think Terry Ralston replaced her. I may have that wrong. And then you could understand every word that Avita said. Yeah. It was a fascinating thing to witness. All about consonants. Exactly. Okay, we're going to cross another two off. Okay, so now somebody else is coming off the list. Merman, Martin, Verdon, Lansbury, Cheetah, and Bernadette. I don't know why some people are last names and some people are first names. Just the way it is. Oh, this is going to be controversial. This is really hard. Okay, I did it. You did it. All right, I did it too. You go first this time. This is really hard, and I'm not sure I even agree with my choice, but I took Bernadette off the list. Oh, okay. And why? In a few well-chosen words. Probably just because she's the youngest person on this list. That means I'm the youngest person. <laughs> you and Bernadette are too young uh -huh. to be the greatest Broadway stars That's of all right. time. That's right. Okay. <laughs> and who did you choose, Albert? I chose Mary Martin. Okay. Because I think she's just too goody-goody. She's just got kind of a little boring. She doesn't have enough edge to me. Interesting. And I can't disagree with that. The only thing I ever saw Mary Martin do was that play, Do You Turn Somersaults, that she did. Oh, I didn't see that. At the end of her life. It was a two-hander with a British actor. I can't remember who it was. It was not a good play. It's mm -hmm. not fair to judge her from that. But I can't say I was wowed by her mm -hmm. star power. Right. Well, I never saw her in person at all. So this is strictly from, you know, tapes and records and Peter Pan a million times. Yeah. I don't know. She just always seems so, she seems nice. <laughs> she's like she wouldn't hurt you. Now, I don't know if she was that way in life, but that's her stage right. persona. I'm not going to disagree with you, but I have to mm -hmm. think that when you were in the room and she's playing Nellie Forbush or even when she's playing Maria Von Trapp, there was something going on because nobody... But it must have been. I mean, yeah. but also her golden years were in the years where being nice was a real commodity in movies and theater. And they must have just thought, oh, she's just wonderful. Our Mary. <laughs> and I think the world has gone on beyond that. Maybe it's too bad. All right. I don't I'm know. taking them both off. We're yeah. using Bernadette and Mary Martin. Okay, okay. Now we're down to the top four. <laughs> Ethel Merman, Gwen Verdon, Angela Lansbury, and Cheetah Rivera. Uh, this is too hard. I'm going to make it easier. You have to cut two. Oh, okay. That doesn't make it easier. <laughs> I thought so, too. I thought if I take two off, <laughs> then I can decide. All right, it's your turn to go first. This is just arbitrary. I'm going to take off Gwen Worden and Cheetah for no good reason. 
Okay. Well, Gwen is off the list because we both agreed on that. I eliminated Gwen Verdon and Angela Lansbury. So that's fair. Now we're down to three. Wait, who are they? I only have two left. Because between the two of us, we now have Ethel Merman, Angela Lansbury, and Cheetah Rivera. Oh, good. I didn't want to see Cheetah go. So let's now talk about if the final three are Ethel Merman, Angela Lansbury, and Cheetah Rivera. Tell me, Albert, why should it be Ethel Merman? Ethel is hard because she seems to be completely inaccessible to the younger crowd. (laughs) And even the older, younger crowd, because they only saw her on television when I still loved her, but her voice was wobbly. It was still a good voice. It was very clear and on pitch. But she seemed like an old woman, even though she was probably just in her 50s. Like in the 60s, she was in her 50s. She was like a decade younger than the century. But she just seemed like, at best, like a character woman. Mm -hmm. You didn't get the sense of that bad girl that she started out as. And she wasn't a recording star. And she wasn't a movie star. Although I think from her movies, you can reconstruct how she was on stage. I think you and I have talked about that in the past. I think you can, like, from watching There's No Business Like Show Business, you can get a sense of what she was like as Rose in Gypsy. Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, that character, whatever her name is, Mrs. Donahue. Yeah. She was nice. She was tough, but she was always out for the good of her children, even if they didn't agree. You got a real sense of a show business woman who was single-minded and determined, but was not at all over-sentimental. And I think Merman's early shows, when she was being like, not the prettiest girl in town, but certainly the liveliest and the toughest. And sexy. Yeah, and she was sexy. Yeah, which we forget completely. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. Growing up, as we did, seeing her on TV all the time, mm-hmm. she was a little bit of a joke. Mm-hmm. And the older we got, the older she got, you felt like she's from another time, which, of course, now in hindsight is so unfair to judge somebody that way. Yeah, But you see what you see. Mm-hmm. And her style of singing, it's just gone. I mean, belting isn't gone, but belting without a microphone is gone. Yeah. Now people do this kind of fake belt that sounds loud and pointed in a microphone. But if you do it on stage and turn off the mics, it's like, what? Is she singing? Because I think we've probably all seen that when suddenly the mics go off and you can't hear the leading lady. Yeah. I just think she was a force of nature. I think she was a strong personality, but I think she had love in her and showed that she loved her audience. She was one of the most generous performers. She had a big gift and she just wanted to give it to you professionally. Yeah. She didn't want to become your friend, (laughs) but she wanted to share herself with you. I don't know. There's something so appealing and star quality for me. I don't want a diva. I want someone who can deliver and entertain me. And then we both go home. And I think she felt like she was your best friend if you had a best friend who was a giant Broadway star. Yeah. Yeah. And I think she was best friends to a lot of people. And certainly nobody's more legendary than her. Nobody has more stories, apocryphal though, but one of the signs of stardom is that people make up stories about you. Yeah, to mask what they think your persona is. Yeah, you know, you just go on and on with people Mm -hmm. telling real and fake Ethel Merman stories, all of which are hilarious, but also you admire Mm -hmm. her for her moxie and her everything about her. Yeah. Okay, 
So, so let that's me. That's why I want to keep her. All right. You're making a case for why she should win. Yeah. I'm going to make a case for why Cheetah should win now. I've talked about this already quite a bit in terms of personally seeing her, and she's probably of this list, one of the people I've seen the most on the stage. I'm certainly of this final three. I've seen Cheetah in multiple things, and she has certainly in terms of versatility and talent, she can do it all. As we talked about this a little earlier, she actually can mm. really sing and be can incredibly compelling and moving and all that kind of stuff. She's a very good actress. And then her strongest talent is dancing. So it's like she has the level of talents in their two minor talents of most Broadway stars. And then her dancing is even on top of that. Yeah. For me, it is that it factor. But again, in a very sort of non-narcissistic. Yeah, you don't get a narcissistic presence from her, a diva presence, as you were talking about before. She's very down to earth, is much down to earth as you could be when you're in the running to be called the greatest Broadway star of all time. And I think that's interesting. I think all three of these women have that quality, and maybe that's our own personal taste. When you think of Ethel Merman and Angela Lansbury and Cheetah Rivera, they're, I hate to say unaffected, because I don't think that's quite right. No. But somehow you feel like you could just go have a beer with them and it would be fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're not pretentious stars. That's, I think, a very good point. And I think you can maybe less murmur than the other two, but I think you can imagine all three of them being by themselves, doing something that satisfies them, not being on stage, like gardening or needlepoint or, you know, just something. Yeah. They seem like people who have another life. Again, I think Merman not as much as the other two. But I see what you're saying. And I think that all of them had to have incredible drive and obsession with being stars that they wouldn't get where yeah. they got to. But you don't yeah. feel like they're nothing but stars. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like they're desperate to be stars. All right. So make the case for Angela. Oh, Angela. Okay. How old do you think she was when she did MAME? Like in her 40s? Or? I think, yeah, like 40-ish which is the age that character is supposed to be. Yeah. I don't think she ever considered being a musical comedy star, even though she was in MGM musicals, but usually someone else sang for her and she was playing like the saloon girl or something. She was never the center of attention. Yeah. I just think that she must have been astonished when she realized that, oh my God, I'm playing Mame. I wanted to play it. I went after it, but I never thought they were going to hire me. And then suddenly she's the toast of the town. And then she went on to do more, not more mames, just more interesting projects because she was always a good actress. And she was a superb actress, certainly the best actress of these three women. Yeah. So I think she looked for acting musical theater parts. And talk about her range between Mame and Mrs. Lovett and everything else in between. Mm -hmm. And she brought that acting to everything. But what's so interesting is as grounded as she was as an actor, she also was able to be a glamorous star and move like a star and dance like a star and carry the Mm -hmm. stage like a star and wear clothes like a star. Yeah. And of course, you expect that from Cheetah because mm-hmm. she is a dancer. Yeah. But certainly, Angela Lansbury is a triple threat in her own way, not on the level that Cheetah is, but just how you weight the things. She's bringing a wider range of acting and perhaps singing to the role, although I think Cheetah and Angela are pretty comparable singing wise. Yeah. And interestingly enough, you know, a part that was written for Angela Lansbury, which was The Visit, then Cheetah ended up playing. So that's interesting that there's crossover. Yeah, yeah. And crossover with Apple Merman, too, because they both played Rose and Gypsy. Yeah. This is going to be hard. So I don't know how we... um... I think people will be disappointed if we declare it a 
triple no, tie. No, I think we have to come to some sort of conclusion. All right. Should um, we try the, you're going to take off two and I'm going to take off two and we see where we are. Okay. I'm going to surprise myself on this one. I don't know if I agree with what I did. Okay. So we're going to tell who we took off? Yeah. I'll go first. All right. I took off Angela Lansbury and Cheetah Rivera. So I took off Angela Lansbury and Merman. Okay. So let's just jump to the chase. It's going to come down to between Cheetah Rivera and Ethel Merman for Uh-oh. the greatest Broadway star of all time. Well, on Merman's side, she was a huge star. I mean, if you're talking about a star, she's a bigger star than Cheetah Rivera. I'm not saying a better star. I'm just saying she was a bigger star. For me, the minus with Cheetah is that I'm not as focused on dancing as you are, mm-hmm. partly because I had no training as a dancer. I, I like it. But also, as the years go by and my vision gets worse and worse, I can't even see it anymore. So I have to like think, now, what was Cheetah like as a dancer? And mm-hmm. Really close to the TV screen. But dancing has always been of the three talents. It's necessary, but it's not my deciding factor. To me, Merman is just the iconic Broadway star. And I don't know if Cheetah is iconic. She's just like supremely good at what she does. And again, probably we're prejudiced because Cheetah is more accessible. I've been in a room with Cheetah. I was never. Yeah, in yeah. So have I. I did one of those Ben Bagley albums with Cheetah. Yeah. Cheetah doesn't know me, but I feel yeah. like I know Cheetah. No, uh, I loved her. And of course, Merman is the obvious choice, but maybe yeah. that because it's Merman. Yeah. Some ways you feel like we can't make it Ethel Merman. Of course, that's what everybody's going to expect it to be. And that's what all the history books would tell you. But I agree with you. If you really look at Ethel Merman's career from Girl Crazy to mm-hmm. Hello, Dolly, it's phenomenal. No one had more songs written for her that became hits. She made yeah. more hits, certainly, than anybody else. Now she had the greatest songwriters writing for her because they wanted to write for her. Yeah. They created those shows for her. But then you have sort of the equivalent of that with Candor and Ebb creating things for Cheetah with Cheetah in mind. Cheetah had less opportunity to do that again because the business changed, the world changed by the time you get to the 60s and Cheetah is becoming a star. Ethel Merman's ending her career as Cheetah's beginning her career basically with a little bit of overlap. So It sounds like we are deciding to do the obvious because I think in this case, history will tell you. And we've spent a hundred episodes, many of them together, exploring the history of the Broadway musical from its very beginning today. And it seems like it is Ethel Merman. Well, and in the case that Ethel Merman is no longer to perform her duties as the greatest star, Cheetah Rivera will be crowned. Well, in a way, we get to have it both ways. Ethel Merman, we have determined, is the greatest Broadway musical star of all time. And Cheetah Rivera is the greatest living Broadway musical star of all time. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's very fair. I'm happy with that. It's Mm -hmm. not a tie. It's acknowledgement. And I think because this series, Broadway Nation, has been largely focused on historical matters. Maybe if we hadn't done that, we wouldn't have chosen Merman. But I think we've taken a very broad look, broad, get it, at musical theater. I'm happy that Merman can do it, but I wouldn't want to lose any of these other ladies. Well, maybe one. Um, (laughs) I mean, we're so lucky to be working in an art form that this kind of person emerges from, that it's big enough to encompass all of these very disparate personalities and temperaments and ways of performing. That's stuffy enough for you? 
That's fantastic. It ties together with, and I've talked about this before, I think if I were going to go in the time machine, as Laura Francos devised in her book, Broadway Revival, if I could be in that time machine, I still think top on my list, and there's so many that, you know, if you had the opportunity to go back and see that original production of something, I would want to be there on opening night of Girl Crazy. When Ethel Merman walks out on that stage and sings, I got rhythm out of nowhere. Yeah. Days can be sunny. With never a sigh, don't need what money can buy. Birds in the tree sing their day full of song. Why shouldn't we sing along? I'm chipper all the day. Happy with my lot. How do I get that way? Look at what I've got. I got rhythm. I got music. I got my man who could ask for anything more. I got daisies in green pastures. to me, is still my top time machine dream. I could agree with that. I would definitely like to be there. And my other choice might be Merman and Gypsy. But again, I think I've created her Mama Rose in my mind. I feel Mm -hmm. like I have seen her in Gypsy. And what we haven't seen is Ethel Merman young and sexy and transgressive in that kind of way. Yeah, because that movie, if anything, goes totally. Well, it's all about Bing Crosby. It's It's so disappointing. It's the most disappointing thing ever. Well, it's the biggest missed opportunity. Our word of advice to the audience out there, do not not watch the movie of Anything Goes with Ethel Merman and Bing Crosby. You will yeah, just, just, never will just do it. break your heart. Exactly. Well, David, David Armstrong, thank you for bringing me on this. It's always a pleasure to talk and argue and laugh with you about theater. I wouldn't have dreamed of having our 100th episode without you. And all the rest of you, check your weapons at the door. <laughs> we are inviting any comments that you might mm-hmm. have about this, but please be kind, as they say. Yeah. All right. See you for the next 200. All right. Bye. Bye. 
And now, as promised, here's the information about how you can become a patron of Broadway Nation. A donation of just $7 a month will not only keep Broadway Nation rolling along, it will also provide you with exclusive access to the complete unedited versions of many of the interviews that you hear on this podcast. And in fact, in addition to the 20-minute segment that was mentioned earlier, there's at least another 45 minutes of this conversation that we just didn't have time to include but it will be available for patrons. And all patrons will receive special on-air shout-outs and acknowledgements of your vital support for this podcast. To join, simply go to broadwaynationpodcast.supercast.tech. That's broadwaynationpodcast.supercast.tech. Or click the link in the show notes to this episode. Thank you in advance for your very generous support. Broadway Nation is written and produced by me, David Armstrong. Special thanks to Pals Mox for his help with editing this episode, to KVSH 101.9, the voice of beautiful Vashon Island, Washington, and to the entire team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.